0: felt the uh, arms of Jesus underneath them this week. And uh, that's his promise, underneath of the everlasting arms. And we need to remind ourselves of that regularly. Has there been any answers to prayer this week? We've had a focus on prayer for a few weeks now. Has God been answering prayers? Any answers to prayers? Lee? Very quickly. So God's been answering prayer, and I'll just I'll just say that for the folk online, Lee is praising God because uh, her old scooter broke, her new, she's given a new scooter. She's getting an electric wheelchair. She's got a new bed, and she's going to visit her sister that she hasn't seen for forty years, and she lives in Perth. That's exciting news. That's how God works. Anyone else with answers to prayer? Lee. Yep, diamond beads. Yeah. Diamond beads. So I've got about seven in the show. So I pray to God that I hope that I come somehow. <laughs> so Good on you, had. So isn't it great that you've been able to put those seven entries in? Yeah. And you you haven't had an easy time lately. It's been a tough time for you. So God's been there for you during that time as well. Anyone else? Kathy. Uh, So that's all signed, sealed and delivered when? Yes, tomorrow. tomorrow. That's exciting. Thank you, Lord. And uh no, I'll let you know on Sunday where I've come. Yeah, we'll come and see what you've won. That's great. God answers prayer about the big things in life and the little things in life too. Any other answers to prayer? Phil. The Victoria's new borders. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah, Wow, so that's great. So it's wonderful answers to prayer and keep on praying for those places around our country that are locked down. Uh, it's caused so much difficulty in people's lives and keep on praying that um, that God will resolve this situation quickly but we can not praise God for that. We can praise God for Fred and Del uh, Whiting and uh, I sent out this, e- this uh, text this week. Let me see if I can read it. Quickly, Dell writes: "Hello, dear praying friends. Today is special. This was Thursday, I think. Uh, Fred has been discharged from Townsville Mater Hospital after two weeks of very wonderful care. We both want to thank you immensely for praying us through the surgery on the 11th, and then the two dramas a week later with the collapsed lung and the severe nosebleed. On the whole, we have sailed through the rough waters with our good Shepherd at the helm." We will stay here across the road from the hospital for a couple more days then head back to the table ends on the weekend looking forward to being back in familiar surrounds. Love to you all, Dell and Fred. Isn't that an answer to prayer? You know, to have three quarters of your lung removed and three weeks later be home. That is wonderful news so we praise God for that. And I did have a note here to pray about the RI coordinator so uh, let's spend some time praying before we come to God's word. Father, we've had a, a clear focus on prayer over recent weeks. It's been a reminder, it's been a kick in the backside for some of us who haven't prayed uh, for a long time to connect with you in that personal, intimate way. Thank you, Father, for answers to prayer. Thank you that you're a faithful God. Uh, it help, prayer really helps us to draw close to you to discover your mind and your will. And as we put uh, life's issues before you, Father, you give us your insight into those issues and we can trust you for the outcomes. And that has been obvious, Lord, with the folk that have shared this morning and, and the people that we've been praying for. Father, we praise you for that. Lord, we look forward to hearing more of what you're doing as, we, as, as we've kick-started, as it were, this attitude of prayer in our lives individually and as a church. We pray, Lord, in the days ahead, we'll see more and more of your activity in our lives and in the life of our community. Father, we do thank you for Fred and Dell's news and we pray that as he comes home you'll give him wisdom to know what his limits are as he heals and regains his strength. We pray for them, Lord, that it will be a a good settling in, that he'll continue to recover well. And Lord, we do thank you too for the uh, wonderful opportunity that we have of taking religious instruction into the schools. It is still a, 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 a law in our state that that is available to willing volunteers. And so we pray for volunteers, Lord, for the the, uh, classes that haven't yet got teachers. Lord, we pray that you'll raise up those that have got a willingness to go and to use the Bible-based materials to teach young hearts about the love of God for them. Lord, we pray that you'll raise up a person who's gifted and skilled and passionate uh, about religious instruction to take on the role of RO coordinator in the coming days. Lord, you've already got somebody in mind, no doubt, Pray that you'll tap them on the shoulder and they'll hear from your spirit and respond in obedience to your call. We pray that this uh, vital ministry will continue in the churches here on the tablelands, particularly in the Atherton cluster. And we ask this so that your name be glorified and honoured. Lord, we pray too that as we open your word and the psalms speak to us once again, and motivate us to serve you wholeheartedly, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles there, I'm just going to switch over, guys. How's that? We good? Good. Thank you. Uh, Psalm 139 is where I'm preaching from. How's that going? All right. The main reason for the microphone is so that people online can hear but we've got a bit of an echo down here so we'll see what we can do. Hey? Last week, this week and next week we're looking at the overall theme of faith-filled prayer and that will come out throughout the rest of the year too but in particular these three passages following on from the previous three weeks, about prayer. And this morning I want to look at a prayer that uh, David prayed and you probably know it very well, Search Me, O God. You know that prayer? Well, it's in Psalm 139. We're going to get there this morning. But before we do that, I want to refer back to a passage in Romans, Romans chapter 8, where Paul wrote these words. We went through Romans uh, over the last four years. We journeyed through Romans at different stages and this is one of the significant passages for me. Romans chapter 8 verses 35 to 39 and Paul writes this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What's the answer? No one. No one he asked. lots of questions like that? The answer is no one. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword separate us from the love of Christ? What's the answer? will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. (gasps) And then he took a breath. (laughs) I think he took a breath to, under his breath, yell out, Amen to what I've just written. Do you believe it? Well, he's really echoing something that David wrote earlier, uh, many years earlier in in the Psalms. And, And I wonder if Paul was thinking of the Psalms, particularly Psalm 139, when he wrote that passage. God is with us, true, no matter what or where and nothing can separate us from his love, from the one who has given all for us. When I was reading this Psalm 139 during the week in one of my devotional times and just kicked off a train of thought that I thought, I shouldn't do that actually. You're not supposed to do sermon preparation during the devotions. It's one of the things we're taught at college, isn't it, Jeff? You know, um, Devotions normally shouldn't be the sermon preparation time but I couldn't help myself this week. King David wrote this psalm. And what was? who remembers the one statement that God made about King David? The statement that's highlighted more than anything else. Can you remember what? A man after God's own heart. Was David perfect? No. Did he make mistakes? Yes. But his heart and his ultimate uh, purpose in life was to do what God wanted him to do. He did make mistakes. And God knew that. It didn't matter that he made the mistakes, he still knew that God was present with him. He knew that he could be forgiven of his sin because he could take the broken and contrite heart that he had and present it to God and ask forgiveness, and it would be given. Do we know that same truth today? Anybody here has never made a mistake? Anybody here has never disobeyed God? We're told that if we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, our disobedience, our mistakes, and to cleanse us from all disobedience and sin. David knew that because he was a man after God's heart. Who wants to be a man after God's, oh, a person after God's heart today? I do. So, I want to hear from David what his thoughts are so that God might imprint them in my life so I might think the same way. So, David starts this, this, this psalm. It's sort of like a, a song, a psalm of phrase. He starts it with these words in verses 1 to 6. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. In fact, he's saying you know what I think every moment of every day. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. This is David, a man after God's own heart. God, He knew what God knew about him. Verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain. When it says, you hem me, that's a a term of security or safety. You know, your your protection is behind me, your protection is in front of me, your arms are around me, it's what David's saying. You have laid your hand on me. You know, it's that that comforting hand on a shoulder uh, or it's that comforting arm around the shoulders. That's what David's describing here. This is the relationship relationship he had with the living God. David speaks of the reality of God knowing all things. What's the word we use for that? Omniscience. God is omniscient. He knows all things. All that David thinks, all that David says, all that David does, God already knows. David realises that God is always present with him. No matter where he is, no matter what he's doing, God is with him. God protects him. God is his hedge. God is his armour, both in front and rear. God holds him in his hand. David knows that God knows more about himself than David knows about himself. He says that God has searched him and known him completely. That's for God we know. All that we get to know for our whole lives is we don't know God completely, do we? We get to know God for our whole life. and I wonder if Paul was thinking about that when he wrote those that letter that we have in Romans 8, that this is a God who knows the end from the beginning. This is the God who, who knows the battle that's going on. This is the God that protects us. I wonder if David knew that from the Psalms. Oh, sorry, Paul knew that from the Psalms. So, David continues on in this Psalm in verse 7 and he says, "'Where can I go from your spirit?' What's the answer? Nowhere. Nowhere. Where can I flee from your presence? What's the answer? Nowhere. Nowhere. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that reassuring? Isn't that security? That God will be there no matter where he goes. No matter where David goes. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you, David says. Nothing can separate us from God. Do you believe it? Even the tough times, even the illnesses, even the difficult times, even the in the midst of the darkest night when we don't have any answers, God is still with us. What was David facing at this time? A lot of people believe that this son was written when his son Absalom was trying to kill him and steal the kingdom for himself. God held David in the palm of his hand. He was God's chosen person. I don't know if there's been lives, times in your life when you've sensed the the arm of God wrapped around you. It could have been um, people who are God's representatives being, for, being there for you in difficult times. There's a book that I read many years ago by uh, Richard Wurmbrand. Anybody ever read that, Tortured for Christ? It's a powerful story, isn't it? It was when communism came into being in Eastern Europe and um, he refused to renounce his faith in Jesus Christ and because of that he was thrown into prison. He was beaten, he was tortured repeatedly, he was uh, separated from his family but he never gave up on God. Finally they released him and his family came and brought him home and when the Iron Curtain fell, he and his family praised God. Was God with him in the prison? Yes, he was. Was it a wonderful holiday in the prison? No, it wasn't. But God was there with him and just as we heard some weeks ago, I have no doubt that the the, the Christ angels were there strengthening, strengthening him through that difficult time. Have you ever wondered at the enormity that God knows my very thoughts or my words before they say them? That just is a mind boggler for me. But the worst part about it is I often think that God winces or he cringes when I say the wrong words or I think the wrong things, or I do the wrong actions. And yet, his promise is that he will still be there with me. He will forgive. And as we talked about, as we sung about earlier, we can only bow before the throne of grace and worship my Lord and my God, even though God knows all about us. David goes on to state that he has been formed by God in verses 13 through 16. This is what it says. And that's why it's so important isn't it Carol that this is the way that God has made us how do we live out the life that God has made for us the uh, flip side of the petition that Carol was talking about is the call for greater funding for palliative care that dignity that that that, uh, that uh, peace that uh, painless uh, time towards the end of someone's life the the funding is just not there for that at the moment but I believe by petitioning and praying, God can change that. There's another there's another um, concern I have and I don't know, yeah, I put a, uh, a picture up there of George Christensen's site. Some of you may be aware of that, children born alive. A number of children that are aborted, I think it was 250 or so in Queensland, last year were actually born alive after the abortion and sadly they were left to die. There's no law that says that they need to be kept alive. And so George Christensen, one of the MPs, has a, a petition and is putting a bill forward to Queensland government that, if you want to find out more about that, talk to me. But it's based on this, isn't it? It's based on the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and God knows us from that moment of inception to when we die. I am struggling That I saw a news article this week about this wonderful new machine uh, for IVF, Um uh, Process that was donated to to the hospital recently up here and it actually is very graphical. You can see the uh, sperm um, uh, impregnating the egg and and the beginning of life. And in fact, the news article said, you can see the beginning of life. That's what they said. Now, not that you believe everything on the news, but this is what people are thinking. We want this to happen because we want life, but at the other end of the scale, we're so willing to dispose of life. Why is that so? Because most of those people do not know the one true God. They do not know the love of God in their lives. They do not know the value that God has on life. And uh, we can speak up. We can write to our local politicians. We can join the petitions that are online because this is how God wants us to think. We are fearfully and wonderfully made and he has a plan for every life. We need to act on that. David knows that he cannot even take a breath without the way God has designed his body to breathe. Wouldn't it be terrible if we had to flick a switch every time we wanted to breathe? If God just hadn't designed into our bodies the ability for the nerves and the heart and the blood, all that sort of stuff, to want us to breathe. How difficult it would have been to flick a switch every time we wanted to breathe. That's not the way God designed us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. These things work automatically or they should unless there's a problem. That's the way God designed it. Now, there are a lot of people who say that it wasn't designed by God, it just happened by chance and we've talked about the evolution debate and the Big Bang Theory and the fact that molecules have just happened to come together. The argument's been going on for a long time. It's a terrible thing to consider if you don't believe in God. What do you believe in? evolutionists believe that we die and at the end of all that we become fertiliser. Food for insects, nothing much else. Don't know about you, but I believe in one who created this body wonderfully. Oh, not this body, but created (laughs) our bodies wonderfully. We are fearfully and wonderfully made and he knows what's best for our bodies. He knows how they work. He knows that when I die, I don't become fertiliser. I walk through that door and I see Jesus face to face. He knows. And uh, nowhere is there any room in my belief or I believe what the Bible says that we we are here by chance. The reality is and the simple reality is that we are made in the image of God the bible tells us that we have eternity staring us in the face from the moment that we start to breathe we are wonderfully crafted together in our mother's room that in our mother's room in our mother's womb i'm sure there was room there <laughs> lots of room for me um, and uh, it's because God designed it that way God knows us because he visitors in that place of pre-birth into this world. And in fact, he has written all our days into his book. That we will live those days either by his grace or not. God knows that we'll have opportunity to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Our choice is whether we take that opportunity or not. And in doing that, when we take that opportunity, We come into the kingdom of God. We know that we will um, go to the other side of eternity. That's not true. We'll go into eternity and not have to fear the options. Sadly, those who don't believe in God see us as higher forms of animals. It's nice to know that God sees us at the moment as one step below the angels, but one day we're going to be one step above the angels. So, the Bible tells us. I'm looking forward to that. Are you looking forward to that? And that's because we're made in his image. Like David, we know that we are made by God. Not just animals who look only to their next meal or the next point of pleasure. We're wonderfully made for a purpose. That video this morning reminds us that Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to, to do. Do you agree with that? That God has a plan for our lives. We have to be listening and discovering what that plan is. The next part of this psalm is not a pretty, not a, not a nice part of the psalm and a lot of people have referred to it as a, a negative part of the psalm because it talks about hate and hatred but I just think that they haven't considered what David is saying. I want to dive into it a little bit deeper this morning. Oh, we know that verse. Psalm 139 verse 17 to 22 says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Not only did God know him, but David knew what God wanted for him. He knew God's thoughts. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Maybe you've prayed this way sometime before. Away from me, you bloodthirsty man. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I, not, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. People, a lot of people have missed the point that David was angry. He hated those people because they were against God. They are speaking out against God. They misuse God's name. Gee, that doesn't happen anymore, does it? They hated God. And so he was writing in this psalm that they were his enemies and he hated them because of their attitude to God. So a lot of people forget that David's world is not our world and, and will criticise him because of those words of hatred and loathing, Yet his is a righteous anger. His is an anger or a righteous hatred, if you like, because they were speaking out about the God that he loved and the God who loved him. David is a man after God's heart. He hates those who would deny God and who would speak terrible things about God. Thought about that. How does that relate to us today? The interesting thing is that when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is, is in heaven, we are praying for the destruction of the enemies of God. Have you ever considered that? We are praying that God's will be done, God's kingdom come. And the Bible tells us that there's coming a day when those who who don't recognise Jesus as Lord and Saviour will be the enemies of God and they'll be destroyed, the Bible tells us. They'll go to a place of uh, endless suffering, eternal suffering, the place that the Bible calls hell and there's no escape. Some of them are our families and our friends because they don't know Jesus yet. I don't want them to go there. When my kids were little, my girls were little, I said, I want to promise you something. I'm going to heaven and I want to do everything I can to make sure you're there too. So when they're not walking with the Lord we have a job to do. If we pray your kingdom come, your will be done and we're praying that they'll hear the gospel and respond in faith to Jesus and not be one of his enemies for those end times. David was a man after God's heart. He wanted to be right with God. He wanted to know God. He wanted to do God's will. And in his last couple of verses of this psalm, he says, this is the significant prayer. By the way, the whole sermon has been building up to this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Is that your prayer today? Do you want to be a person after God's own heart? Then there's only one way to do that and that's allow God to show you things in your life that are not acceptable to him. Allow him to show you anything that's offensive to him and to deal with it and then to follow on in the way that he wants you to live. The scriptures tell us in many places that all have sinned, all have disobeyed God and fall short of the glory of God. David is very aware that he is human. He is not perfect. His life has been full of sin that God has forgiven. He is aware that things in his life are not what he would want and now he asks God to cleanse him from all wrong and to help him to live in the presence of his God forever. I pray that that might be our prayer. There's a lesson that we need to learn. First of all, none of us is perfect. That deflates us a little bit, doesn't it? There may be things from the past that we might have thought are not sinful, and yet God puts his finger on those and says, deal with that. And those things may be moving us away from God rather than closer to God. Can I encourage you to take time to pray and ask God to show you those things that come between you and him, between us and him. We need to come to that throne of grace that our hearts might be cleansed, that our lives be renewed and that our path is clear before us on how God wants us to live. Under all that, remember that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by a loving Heavenly Father, and He wants the best for us. He knows you're coming and you're going, your thoughts and your actions. And Jesus wants to heal your soul, cleanse your soul from any sin or disobedience from the past, and walk with you by his spirit into the rest of eternity. If you think there's anything that's hindering you from from walking with Jesus then now's the time to put that right with him. As the music team comes uh, and we close our service we're going to sing a song uh, that reminds us that God knows all and we can praise him because of that but he wants us to deal with those things that are preventing us from knowing him fully. Ah, during this song we will take up our offering. Thank you.